I believe that veterans are the key to unlocking America's next golden age. By empowering and influencing one million veterans to transition well and become leaders in their communities, we can unlock our country's destiny and continue to change the world. My name is Bernard Bergen. Randall Nisnik retired from the Navy Seabees after serving 23 years. One of the highlights of his distinguished career was serving as the facility chief of the prestigious Bancroft Hall, the largest single dormitory in the world. Facilities management is the career Randy pursued after the Navy, and his time as a Navy CB prepared him well for what he chose to do next. As a facilities management professional, Randy has made it his personal mission to showcase to veterans the opportunities on the horizon in this sector. The Navy CB's motto, we build, we fight, is still very much at the forefront of Randy's daily life as he builds relationships within the veterans and facilities management community and continues to fight for opportunities for veterans. Let's get started. Thanks again for agreeing to be on the show, Randy. And as you know, very scripted show, but I think each question brings out a unique answer because we all had different experiences as we served Question one, what would you say to your younger self as you were starting your military service? I would tell myself to start college early with all the services. You have to get acclimated to the service first, and that's usually done within your first couple years. And I know in the U.S. Navy, we also have some warfare designations that we have to complete within our first one to two years. But after you get acclimated, you get whatever qualifications you need to get for your military service. I think it's so important that you start looking at four-year degrees. But as we do approach everything in the military, you need to be strategic, really figure out what degree you want. I see too many people that just kind of grab any any degree and just kind of go with it. And then later on in life, they say, why the heck did I get that? So really think about, you know, and it's, sometimes it's tough when you first join the military, but think about, you know, what you possibly want to do after your military service and then try to find a degree uh, that's somewhat related to that, right? Um, yeah, college yeah. is important. I've been out here now for, uh, since 2013, I retired, and I can tell you that the, the job market is just getting more and more competitive as each day goes by. And those college degrees, whether you agree or not agree, it doesn't really matter. Those college degrees are so important to maintain your competitiveness. And as I always say, and, how's, and one thing my wife used to always tell me, and I think it's so true, and that is, the world can take many, many things from us. They can take our possessions, they can take our money, they can take a lot from us. But the one thing that can never be taken away from you is your education. So I think it's so important that, you know, college, don't go just for the degree just to set yourself up competitively out here in the civilian market. But there's so many other things you learn just going to college, the strategic thinking and just, it's a life experience. It's not necessarily just a tool to have to better your chances of getting a good job. It's a life experience. And if you approach college in that manner, I think you'll get a lot more out of it. Love it. Love it. My big takeaways from that was be strategic, understand the competitive environment. And as you educate yourself, that's one of those things that no one anywhere can take away from you. And I think that's so important because like you said, at times when given an opportunity to, you know, like you said, take schooling or take a class, Many service members, because they don't really want to, they're not strategic about it. And, you know, there's amazing opportunities if you are 
uh, duty assignments allow for you to, you know, fully get educated while you serve. Definitely. Okay. Would your younger self have heeded that advice or would there have been some pushback? There definitely would have been some pushback. Honestly, I was brought up in a blue collar family, if you will. Nobody in my family ever went to college. My father was a plant maintenance director. So I learned a lot working in the plant about working with my hands and mechanics and electrical and plumbing and all that good stuff. And it's all great skills to have, but nobody ever, ever spoke of college in my family. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't really until I met my wife and my wife God bless her. Uh, we've been married 15 years now. It was her that put the foot off in my behind and said, no matter how many years you choose to do in the military, no matter how high you go in rank, I will not let you separate service without having a college degree. And I pushed back for the first couple of years, but I finally came around. So getting back to the original question, back in the early days of my Navy career, there's no way in heck I would have ever even entertained college because I was kind of following the wrong crowd, if you will. We'll just leave it at that. But they always say successful people follow and hang around with successful people, right? So for me, my first inkling of that really was my spouse, honestly. She was the one that kind of told me, to, you know, to really focus in on college and bettering myself as a person and, and all that stuff. And I think success breeds success, if you will. And that, so early on in my life, I just didn't have the right circle of friends. I wouldn't say they're right. I had great friends. I still have great friends to this day from those from my early times in the Navy. But it just was a different it was a different Navy back in the nineties. Let's just put it that way, at least on the enlisted side. Yeah. College wasn't yeah. really pushed like it is nowadays. We know now that many, many enlisted members are going going to college now. But back in the early nineties, that really was not really the, the case back then. Right. Right. I like how you spoke to younger servicemen and women, and you just gave them something to think about because one of the things we forget is that you do get to choose who your friends are, and you don't have to judge your friends' choices, but you should have people in your life who are willing to say to you, hey, you know, I see more in you. Why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do that? And then when you find those people, they tend to help you see in yourself what you clearly didn't. Exactly. Okay. What would you say to someone considering serving today, as you mentioned, things have changed drastically. But, you know, that call to service is a call we all hear. Exactly. I would have to say, you know, first and foremost, you definitely have to be all in. These are uncertain times that we're living in, and they've been uncertain times for many, many number of years now. So you have to be all in. But what I would say, and, you know, this kind of goes back to even when I was a Navy recruiter myself, and I wish more applicants did this before they came into my office. You have to do your research. Just like if you're looking at going to college, you know, people spend a lot of time looking at different colleges, talking to parents, talking to friends, talking to alumni to figure out which institution is the best match for them, which one would have the best culture fit. The military is no different. Everybody in the military has the sense of service and the honor and the integrity, but each service on its own has its own corporate culture, if you will. And I think anybody who has served knows this. The Army and the Marines and the Coast Guard, Navy, Air Force, they all have their own unique corporate culture, if you will. And you have to do your research and really know what service is the best fit for you. And don't get sucked into the recruiters telling you, 
the Marines are the way to go or the Navy's the way to go. You can only you can make that decision for you. The recruiter doesn't know you as well as you know yourself. So you have to do your research and I would also say do not be rushed at all in this decision because I'm not sure about the other services, but in the Navy, we have some special programs that the first enlistment is six years long. So that's a six-year-long commitment. That's a pretty serious commitment for a young guy or gal coming out of high school. So take your time. Don't be pushed and don't be, you know, basically pushed into making a decision before you're absolutely dead set and ready. And you know that Air Force is the way you want to go or the Navy is the way you're going to go, so on and so forth. Yeah, I really enjoy how you broke that down. And I don't think I've quite heard it that way, but as you were talking about it, my mind was spinning like, why isn't there a cultural fitness assessment that prior to serving, you could take online just to see where your personality is and which branch really maximize your natural personality traits? You know, because when you were talking about it, I was like, wow, you know, like how much more successful will service members be if they really accurately define their culture fit when they made that decision to serve. That's a very good point. And I mean, I don't even know how you would really go about doing it, but I think all of us that served, we can tell normally, I mean, for the most part, we can tell like, I mean, I need veterans. Well, not all the time, but most of the time, like you can always tell a Marine, right? You, <laughs> that's usually pretty cut and dry. You can usually tell a Marine. Uh, I can normally pick out Navy and Air Force. Army's a little bit more harder. But it's just the way they carry themselves, right? And it's all about their culture. It's, it's odd that it's like that because we're all basically serving the same mission in the military. We're just going about it in different ways. But every service does have that unique culture, and you really have to understand which one is the right one for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you said the word, each service has its own unique corporate culture, it, it clicked for me. You're, I'm like, you're absolutely right. And I, I agree with you. Maybe 30% it's fuzzy if you meet a veteran. But for 70% of your time being introduced to a new veteran, you feel the culture fit, you know, as you mentioned. Okay, next question. One word answer. When I say military transitions, you say? Roller coaster. And I say that because your emotions are going to be a series of ups and downs and even possibly some dark tunnels. And uh, let's throw in some loop-de-loops in there as well. When your head is just spinning so bad and you're so dizzy because you just don't know which way you're going. So I would say roller coaster. It was definitely for me, when you first get that DD-214 in hand, you're super excited and ready to take on the corporate world and bring your skills and talents. And you just, oh, you have that strong will that I know I'm going to get hired. I'm only going to have to put out just a few resumes and I'm going to get hired because I'm the one they want. But then you quickly realize that eh, it's not quite so easy. So I put out over 200 and some applications, but this was before I, I knew about networking and all this other stuff and the hidden job market. But I put out about 200 applications that turned out into, uh, turned into seven interviews. So do the math, right? So it's yeah, not as easy yeah. as what you would think. And it's, it's a roller coaster. I mean, you're, you're going to come out of the service with a certain mentality and professionalism and high expectations because that's what we do in the military. We are very heavily driven to accomplish goals and we are just heavily driven. And when you come out into the civilian world, it's not always so driven. For lack of a better word. So, but it's definitely a roller coaster. You're definitely going to go through all the emotions and sometimes all at the same time or within one day. Um, yeah. You know, you'll put out, you'll put out, you'll get a hit, you'll get that email 
you weren't accepted, you weren't qualified, and then maybe two hours later you get an offer letter. So you go from being in a totally a low spot to two hours later you get an offer letter, and now all of a sudden you're high on the kite again. So roller coaster, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for just, you know, really unpacking that for our audience. I know that they need to hear it that way because sometimes, you know, as you transition, you feel isolated. As you transition, you feel like, man, I'm the only one facing these circumstances. But every successful transition had each leg of the roller coaster, especially the loop-de-loops. Exactly. Okay. So tell us about what excites you about what you get to do now how you came to this field, and just a bit about your background and experience in this field. Okay. I am currently in facilities management, and this is a profession that I actually was blessed that during my military career, I was introduced and did a three-year tour as a facility manager. So I knew at that point when I was doing it at the Naval Academy that this is what I wanted to do once I uh, transitioned out. So I love it because I stay in service to others and a lot of veterans, that's one of their main key points that they want is to continue their service to others. So in facilities management, even though a lot of what I do is behind the scenes and not the people don't really see it public eye per se of what I'm doing, but I know that what I'm doing and what my vendors are doing and what my maintenance techs are doing are, albeit behind the scenes at times, it is helping to make employees productive, it maintains their morale, because at the end of the day, if you walk into a building and half the lights are out, the receptionist is not happy, she's not really smiling, or he's not really smiling, and they just look frustrated, maybe they look overworked, you look around, you see employees running around like maniacs, they all look like they're stressed out. Those are all signs that maybe that's not really, you know, say you're going in for a job interview. Those are all signs that might tell you, you know what, maybe this ain't the place I want to be working. They can't even maintain their facilities and keep the lights on and how well they treat their employees. And then when you look around and you see the employees run around like chickens with their heads cut off every day, that tells you a lot about the, the company culture and, and what they're doing. And, you know, you could easily say that what they're doing is not really necessarily productive or good. So as a facility manager, I play a heavy role in that lobbies and just making sure that everything is on the up and up and again into ergonomics and just all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, it's a service industry. At the end of the day, everybody I come in contact with is a customer or a client. And unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, I don't need all the kudos, but it's a thankless job for the most part. Nobody ever really comes up to me and says, hey, Randy, thanks for doing what you do for us. No, I'm quite on the contrary. Anytime somebody comes up to me, it's because they want something, they need something, or something is broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One thing that I think is worth mentioning is you're one of the people at the company who talks to VPs, to, you know, executive assistants almost on a daily basis. So you really, you know, as you mentioned, have the pulse of the company and you're serving much like we did in the military, where you could be serving your commanding officer or you could be serving someone brand new to the core. So I think, you know, it's so fascinating just the excitement and joy that I hear you speak about your work with. And I think for many service members, you know, if they do the work to learn the craft, it'd be a good fit. Yes. And going on that, to continue on that conversation, yes, you are absolutely right. I talk to everybody from senior VPs, directors, all the way down to my fellow associates. And I have learned something from everyone. And that's something that 
actually comes from a John Maxwell book, but you can always learn from others. Everybody you meet can teach you something. And what I love about what I have done in this job is it's helped me with my transition. It, it actually has helped me a lot with my transition because I'm able to work with these guys and gals and these true professionals in their own um, industry, which is IT and sales. And I've learned a lot about emotional intelligence, how to carry yourself when things are going away. These guys and gals that are in sales, when they don't make their quarterly quotas, I mean, we're talking a lot of money here. I mean, this is a major technology client that I support. I'm not going to say the name, but it's a major technology client. They're making a lot of money. So when they don't make their numbers, you would think that some of the, the account managers and the senior directors would, you know, just be going off on their teams and, you know, scranting and raving and like maniacs. But it just does not happen. And that's what I learned a lot is when things go bad and you don't make your numbers, it's not the end of the world. And what I've seen here are true professionals who bring their team together, rally them up in a professional manner, and they go back and they kick butt the next quarter. I've never seen anybody really lose their temper. Now, I don't know what happens when they get in their car at night and when they drive home, but when they're in the view of their associates and their team, I've never seen anybody lose it. And I've been very, very impressed with that because coming out of the, the military, you know, I, I'll admit it was, you know, I was one of those crazy Navy chiefs that sometimes I would lose my cool. And looking back and I'm like, did I really succeed in what I wanted to accomplish by losing my cool with my troops? Probably not, you know? Yeah, they might have done what I asked them to do, but did I really gain their respect? I don't know, you know? Wow. So I've learned a lot. And that being in this position where I'm not just coming into an office and sitting at a desk all day and not talking to nobody, which there's many jobs that are like that out there, by having a visibility on so many different people and different backgrounds and getting to know know them and know their backgrounds, it's been awesome. It's been a real blessing. Wow. So if you're listening out there, I think, you know, your, your self-reflection is very telling about how just interacting with people and seeing through their lenses really helps you realize that when you were serving, you were serving for them and they have some strengths that you can learn from. And as you share your strengths, there are things that they're going to take away and be able to execute their role even better. Exactly. All right. But you have to be willing to you have to be willing to talk. Uh, I did an article on LinkedIn about veterans and how we tend to put walls up around us when we deal with civilians. And we tend to I don't know why it is. I was the same way my first couple of years out. I didn't really let people know anything about my personal life or I didn't really, really talk too much about my military experience for that matter, because I knew especially because of some of the experiences I did with special programs that a they would think I'm full of crap. Or B, they just would never really fully understand it. So why even get into the conversation? Hmm. But what I've learned is most people just want to hear your story, just like we want to hear their story. And if everybody just starts sharing their stories, it uplifts everybody. At the end of the day, that's what it's about. And I think veterans really need to take down those walls a little bit. You know, don't get into the crazy stories and, the, you know, <laughs> the stories that aren't appropriate. But right. you know, let people know what you did. Because they're just curious. At the end of the day, they're just curious. You yeah. know, and yeah. there's still so many stereotypes out there that we have to overcome. So be one of those stereotype overcomers and not one of those stereotype, what's the word? Well, basically be an overcomer of the stereotype and don't feed in to the stereotype by being standoffish and, and not talking to anybody. Because that's just going to feed into the stereotypes that, you know, we all are going to lose our minds. And you know what, I, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad that you, you brought that up. And, you know, I think as we share our stories, as we share the truth about, you know, there is things we talk about with someone we've known for, you know, less than six months, but your working relationship grows. Now you've been working together for five years. There's more of yourself that you can share, but the key word being share, share who you are, share the experiences that got you to where you are today. Because I think story and just being vulnerable enough to say, hey, these are some of the things that I've experienced in life. And that's why I'm either so excited or maybe a bit cautious, or maybe, you know, I feel things out before I dive in then people really understand how to, you know, best make you an even more integral part of the team. And I think for healthy work environments, you know, it helps. And service members bring so much to the table, so much value, so much just leadership, so much in service mm -hmm. that without sharing that, no one will know that that's what's in their immediate vicinity. Exactly. Okay. So on top of your service, what values from the military do you think really helps you impact what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? For me, and I think really this goes with just about any veteran. It's the professionalism, it's the honesty, and the utmost integrity. And it seems simple enough, and you would think that everybody carries these values, but out here, not so much. So we just carry ourselves at a different level sometimes. <laughs> it's hard to kind of explain, but how we dress, how we speak and how we carry ourselves in public, we take that serious. And I, I've noticed that even when we decide to hang up our nation's cloth for the last time and put on the suit or whatever you're going to wear for civilian clothes, we still tend to look at ourselves in a mirror and make sure that we're, you know, we're presentable. We don't, we always just take pride in our appearance and how we conduct and how we do things. And I think that speaks volumes to how we would represent a company. You know, every, especially in the, the business that I'm in, I'm an outsourced contractor. So I have my client, I work with my client every day, but as far as they're concerned, the company that I work for, I am that company because I'm the only one they see. So how I present myself is actually also representing my company's brand. And it's very important, you know, because my clients, I built that trust with them and they get me. And, but like I said, at the end of the day, it's not just about me. Now they say, well, wow, that company seems like a pretty good company. They definitely hire some, you know, cream of the crop, if you will. Yeah. So, and I don't think it's arrogance. I think we just have a certain self-confidence. We're self-assured. I think for the most part, every veteran is very self-assured. We don't need all the attaboys to make ourselves feel good. We know what we've done and we know what we bring to the table for the future. And we just do it. And we just naturally lead others. We have this natural ability to reach out to others and really lead others. And I think that's so important in today's day and age. And, and I'll give you, you know, kind of an example is as management, you know, a lot of civilian managers, we get to know our people as veterans. We get to know our people. And so let's say Joe shows up one day and something is just not right. You know, a lot of civilian managers will just kind of like brush that off and say, oh, he's just having a bad day. But what I've noticed with veterans is we will always take that a step further, bring John or Joe into our office, sit them down and say, hey, I noticed you're uh, you're not really up to snuff today, or you're just not, you seem something, something's off. Is there something you need to talk about? Is there something going on? And we'll dig. And we're not afraid to dig. Sometimes civilians don't always under, know how to take that. I know my first job as a field service manager, uh, I had one veteran field service tech, and the other ones were just straight civilian field service techs. And I used to do one-on-one -on -one walks 
which is something I learned in the military. I would just snatch somebody up in the morning and I'd say, we're going for a walk. And we'd go for a walk and talk for about 30 minutes. And a couple of my civilians text just didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> and it took, a, it took a while for them to open up to me. I'm like, look, this is just you and me. Let's talk. And I, yeah, I talk about, you know, where do you see yourself in five years and where do you want to go with your job? And, you know, what is there? And then, of course, that always reverts back to what can I do to help you to get there? But that's just the way we are. We just the way we are. And I think a lot of companies in today's day and age, especially with the millennial generation, that's what we need in our leadership nowadays, because that's what the millennials are looking for. Nice. Well said. Well said. And I think you really brought home what employers can look for in veterans. But I wanted to ask you the question formally in case there were some additional thoughts that you could add to it. So an employer is looking to hire a veteran. What do you know that they need to know about veterans that you didn't already touch on? Right. I just say look at every veteran as their own person, as one individual and as a candidate for the job that they're looking to fill. One thing that gets me spun up is when People start going, trying to box you into certain jobs based on your officer or enlisted status. I think that it doesn't really matter, honestly. At the end of the day, for the veteran himself, you have to, and we can talk, I think we're going to speak to this later, personal brand yourself. And it doesn't matter if you were an officer or enlisted. Anybody can do anything, for the most part, anybody can do anything they want in America. That's what makes America great. If you have the drive, the motivation, and the determination, you can pretty much do what you want to do. You just got to have the drive, motivation, and determination to do it. That's what, again, that's what makes America great. That's why we all serve to protect these freedoms that we have. So don't ever box yourself in. And it it frustrates me because I've had military recruiters tell me straight up, well, you were enlisted. So I don't place enlisted in the management positions. Well, I'm sorry. That's your loss, not mine. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going into management. Right. Um, And it's so frustrating that people, and then if somebody's fairly new, like your audience that's listening to this podcast, you know, they could trap themselves into that thinking. And, well, I guess I'm enlisted. I guess, I guess I'm going to have to start. You know, then they always say, you know, you have to start over. Yeah, you, you kind of have to start over, but not necessarily. If you brand yourself and network appropriately, you don't necessarily have to start over. You may take a couple steps back in responsibility. There's no question about that because responsibility in military at a young age is through the roof. But you don't have to start off at an entry level $25,000 a year job. I mean, you're better than that. But you have to brand yourself and you have to let people know what you bring to the table. So for employers, again, don't worry about if their officer enlisted. Look at the candidate as a candidate. And also, I know everybody wants to hire veterans and they may have a really good veteran who's well-spoken, presents himself well or herself well during their interview, and they really want to hire them. But I'm telling you, if there's something in your gut that says that person is not the right candidate for this specific position, then don't hire them. Just because they're a veteran, that not every veteran is going to fit every job position that you have. And it's just like any other candidate out there. Not every one of them is going to be the one for the position you have to fill. So look at the veteran as just another candidate. And the veteran status is kind of like an added bonus. If right. You will. Yeah. I think that was exactly what needed to be said. And it was a diamond. Just again, the veteran status is your bonus. You know, as the veteran gets into your environment, gets to know what we do, what the new culture is, that there's going to be some acceleration once opportunities come for leadership, once opportunities come for team building. And, you know, 
just wants opportunities come to serve the company in a deeper and more enduring way. But if you block them by, you know, judging, like you said, were you enlisted? Were you an officer? Where did you serve? Did you deploy? Those factors might hurt your ability to see a great candidate. And then again, I love what you said to recruiters. You're a recruiter. You're a professional. You know how to read people. If you just feel that this veteran's not a good fit, go with what you would do for any other candidate. Because when you do find the right fit, veteran or otherwise, that's what will enhance your company's brand. And ultimately, there are amazing veterans that are the correct fit for the role if you keep looking. Exactly. Okay. So a service member is right at the start of their transitions process and they tap into you, your network and ask you for some advice. What do you say to them? Take a step back, breathe in, breathe out, do a complete life assessment. From the time you graduated high school, some people might have joined the military immediately upon graduation of high school. Others may have held down a few jobs here and there. But look at your whole professional career. Identify those areas that you loved and those areas that you did not particularly care for and figure out the whys. Why did you love that? Why did you not love this? Get those lists together. Really figure out at the, in your heart of hearts what drives you, what motivates you and develop your personal brand. I cannot say this enough. If you do not develop your personal brand, you are just going to be, you're going to be firing off job applications to job applications to all different sorts of jobs. You know, a lot of us in the military, we think we can do just about anything thrown at us. So a lot of us like to say, you know, I can do operations. I can do field service. I can do this. I can do that. Well, you, you can't be a jack of all trades and be successful out here in the civilian road. You have to hone in and completely develop your personal brand and figure out what specific industry or profession you want to fall into and then develop your personal brand, which if you do it correctly, your personal brand will fit the profession that you want to do. I can't explain. I can't stress that enough though, because if you don't develop your personal brand, again, I did it my first couple years out until I really learned about personal branding and learned about all this stuff. I was just kind of jumping around from job to job and I, I didn't really have any set direction. And now that I've developed my personal brand over about the last year, I'm really laser focused now. And I really am focused on, okay, what, what's the next step for me that's going to get me from point A to point B? And, you know, not us being a, a Marine, a soldier, an airman, a sailor, or just saying you're a veteran, that's what you did, but that's not who you are. Well said. And there's a big difference. So that is not your personal brand. Being a veteran is not a personal brand. So there's a lot you can learn from that. And then um, taking from um, retired General McChrystal, I will say that once you fall into your first job, you got to follow the three L's that he put. He, he likes to talk about. He has a YouTube video. He did a TED Talk on it. It's the three L's. Listen, learn, and then lead. One thing that I made the mistake on when I first came out in my first civilian job is I tried to lead before I learned and before I listened. And I was semi-successful, but I could have done a lot better if I would have followed his law. <laughs> so at the end of the day, and this is the problem we have as veterans, we know that every tour of duty we have is only going to be two to three years. So we know that within the first year to year and a half, we need to be making change. We need to be making impact or it's going to result in us maybe not getting promoted. So we are so 
driven that within the first year, year and a half, we need to start implementing change and we need to start leading and we need to start do, 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 do. That's just how we are. In the civilian world, it's not like that. So you have to take your time. You have to listen. Number one, you have to listen, just as uh, the crystal would say, but he was talking it as, he's talking it as a leadership approach. I just apply it to work in your first civilian job or any job at, for that matter. Listen, take the pulse of what's going on, get the pulse of the morale. If you're leading teams, what's the morale of the team? Listen to your team, listen to what they have to say, and then learn, learn the company, learn the corporate culture, learn who's who in the zoo, as we like to say. Once you have those two things down and you're comfortable with it, which could take months, then start leading. But I'm telling you, if you try to start to lead immediately without really learning the culture of the company or listening to the people and really understanding where the real problems are, it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. Again, listen, learn, and lead resonates deeply with me. And I just like how it, it gives you a very straightforward approach. Hey, you approach your new environment. You don't need to know everything. You can just walk in, just apply your, yourself to each task. And just listen to those around you, learn from everyone. And as you deepen your learning, you know, you're open for the next step, which, as you mentioned, is just being prepared to lead. And if you take that approach, I think where, and I saw it in myself when I transitioned, you can offend a lot more people if you're starting with leadership versus listening and learning. And I think this formula is just something practical and applicable to any veteran as they move from one environment to the next. Exactly. All right. You expanded a bit into this question. What would you ask of veterans and the veterans community? Any other details around that topic? Just don't sell yourself short. You have to really, really dig down and know yourself. Know yourself thoroughly. Um, and that takes time. And it's not easy to really look back at your whole career you know, maybe some of those that are out there only did four or five years. That's not so bad, but I did 23 years. So I had to look back. Plus, I worked three years before I even joined the military. So you have to know yourself and don't sell yourself short. Stick to your guns. And if, if you just feel that somebody is not giving you the salary or the job just doesn't seem like it'd be a challenge to you, move on. Don't be, you know, I, I know this is tough because a lot of people there, you know, this is why... They always talk about why are veterans, their first job, they're only staying on six months to a year and they move on. Well, the problem is because most of us have bills to pay. And as soon as that paycheck stops from the DOD, we have to find a job. We have to keep the income coming in. So a lot of people would jump into any old job that will take them without doing their thorough research. And then two months into the job, they look at it like, what did I just do here? I'm not being challenged. It's, it's an entry-level position. And this is why I have to say, you really have to watch this whole entry level. Take entry. You have to take entry level because I'm telling you, if you take entry level, but you're at a, a moderate level to an advanced level, you are going to become bored within two months on being on the job. And being bored on a job is just as bad as being overly stressed on a job. They mm -hmm. both are very soul sucking. <laughs> so if you take an entry level job and you're not challenged, I mean, being from the military background that we all are, we have to be challenged. I mean, we thrive on challenge and it's going to frustrate you, and then you're going to end up bouncing out of that job six months later. And you see it time and time again. I was one of them. So just know what you can do. Know what you bring that is your personal value proposition. And if you want to know more about that, just look it up. Personal value proposition, that's a big thing going around too right now. But you just have to know yourself and know how you are 
relevant. That's another thing that's kind of going around as of late is making yourself relevant to the profession that you choose to go into. So how are you relevant to that profession? What do you bring that these 200 other candidates don't have? What's that one extra thing that you bring? And don't just say, well, I'm a veteran, because that don't mean nothing. You're not telling the employer anything by saying I'm a veteran. What are those things? So don't sell yourself short. Really do your homework. Be mindful of recruiters. Not all recruiters, I'm not turning into a, a bashing of recruiters. Look, a lot of recruiters, they want to do good for you, but you have to understand that they're in sales, right? Just maintain that mentality that they're in sales too. So they're trying to get you into a position because that's how they get paid. Just kind of remember that. But there's a lot of recruiters that can help you a lot and give you a lot of good info. But if they start pushing you into something and really start pushing you into something that you don't want to go into, then you need to break that relationship with that recruiter. I've done it three times already. I've had recruiters try to tell me that since I was a Navy CB, I should get into construction tool sales. Um, I should go to construction sites and sell tools. And I told them straight up, I don't want to do sales. Well, you're a CB, you're construction, you can sell tools. I don't want to do sales. <laughs> so... I had to break the relationship. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't deal with you. You're trying to push me into something that I don't want to go into. You're not being receptive to what I am telling you. This is not a partnership anymore. This is where I want you to go relationship. And that's not going to work. So right, right. just be mindful of that. Yeah. And I love how you gave such detailed examples of what it could look like, because, you know, at times we just want to make those around us happy. Sometimes, as you mentioned, we have bills, we have commitments. We just want to be checking those boxes. And without knowing it, then we start to sell ourselves short and then we start to lose our relevance. But I like how you reminded us to make ourselves relevant to the you know, industry, to the area, to our communities that we belong to and just be firm in knowing who we are and what we expect of ourselves. And I think it ties into what you touched on. Know your personal brand. Exactly. Definitely. Okay. And develop your personal brand because that's something we don't even talk about in most. I never heard of any of this. Emotional intelligence, maybe on the officer side, I don't know because I wasn't an officer. Maybe they teach some of that stuff in officer school about emotional intelligence. And I don't know. I don't think anybody ever touches on personal branding though, because every veteran I talk to, when I start talking about personal branding, I get the deer in the headlights look. So, mm. you know, that's a, that's a whole nother concept. And I think only people that probably know about personal branding are those that probably went for their MBAs because I think that is talked about when you go into an MBA program. But right. it's so right. important. So important. Okay. What book would you recommend to our Veterans Leadership blog listeners and why? I can't list any books. I have way too many to list. But what I will say is every veteran should be on LinkedIn. Every active duty member who is getting ready to transition out should be on LinkedIn. And with that, your first year, you get a free premium membership to LinkedIn. Please take advantage of that premium membership. It has a lot of tools in there that the civilian, your civilian counterparts have to pay for, and you don't. So take advantage of it. And one of those things that is a big one is the LinkedIn Learning, which was previously known as lynda.com, but now it's just, I think it's just LinkedIn Learning now. Uh -huh. With that, you can go in there and you can search on just about every topic, and you're going to find hits. And you can also search by speakers or authors. So what I would like to do is suggest two. One is John Ullman, J-O-H-N-U-L-L-M-E-N. -L -L -E He's a prior Air Force officer. He graduated from the Air Force Academy. He is now a professor. I forgot what college. But he does some courses on executive presence, networking, leadership, and I 
there's a couple others. His courses are fantastic. I learned a lot about executive presence watching his courses. And then the other person I highly recommend, and this is for the personal branding, is Lita Citrone. I don't really know how to say her last name, so I'm not sure if I said it correctly, but her name is Lita, L-I-D-A, last name C-I-T-R-O-E-N. And she is, she has a heart of gold. So there's a lot of civilians out there that are kind of jumping on this veteran, we're here to help you bandwagon, if you will. I hate to say it that way. It sounds so negative, but there's a lot of civilians out there that are trying to help veterans. And some of them are really true and authentic in what they're trying to do. Others, let's just say not so much. Lita is one of those that are truly authentic. I've come to really respect all that she has done. She left pretty much kind of a cush corporate job. She's making good money. And she left. You can watch her video on LinkedIn or you can look her up on YouTube and you'll hear her story because she repeats it all the time. The same story of how she got into personal branding for veterans. She's also an author for military.com. So she submits a lot of articles for military.com. But she just kind of had a calling, if you will, out on a football field. After witnessing an Army veteran during halftime basically say, I'm having a hard time finding work. And I don't remember exactly how it went down, but it was on, I think it was on Veterans Day. And they had a veteran go out to the, to the field during halftime and just talking about how he's having a hard time explaining what he did in the Army and how it correlates to corporate culture. And she basically was like, that's what I do. That's what I do for a living. I do, I do personal branding. I do executive development and all this. And it just clicked for her, and she took off with it. And she explains how her first couple of years, as we all know as veterans, it was very tough for her to get in the door mm-hmm. and gain the trust. Because one thing about veterans, if you don't have military in your background, we always tend to look at you very with a scrupulous eye, I think is the word I'm thinking of, right? With a, yeah. a certain amount of scrutiny, right? It, yeah. it takes a lot for a civilian who walks off the street with no military in their background and say, I want to help you and to gain our trust. It takes a lot. So I, I go totally empathize with what she had to go through, but once she developed herself and gained that trust, now she's like, she's all over the U.S. She's doing stuff all over the place. She does stuff for the VFW. So I can't, I just, I'll leave it at that. She's an awesome person. Look her stuff up, look up her personal branding videos and uh, have a listen. Great, great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as you mentioned, learning and learning from those who truly care matters because the value you receive as you take your training will go beyond just the surface. And as you talked about personal branding, and now you shared some of the courses that you've taken, you know, I plan to dig into it myself. And I hope our listeners, you know, just follow your lead on just refining our personal brand, knowing who we are, and then moving that brand beyond just something we have on our resumes or on our profiles on LinkedIn or wherever else to how we do life. And I think as we do that, as you mentioned, we'll attract the right people, the right communities, and we'll find ourselves in the right spaces and connecting to what's next. Definitely. All right. Any parting piece of guidance for our listeners? Transition is not going to be easy. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're fooling themselves. No matter what your rank was, enlisted officer, it doesn't matter. When you enter the private sector, you really have to drill down and redefine yourself and develop that personal brand really figure out who you are, but never ever lose that pride in your service. That pride in service will never go away, but you have to redefine yourself as a person now and not 
as a person who wears our nation's cloth. That's so important. The chip on the shoulder needs to go. If you have it, I had it. <laughs> My wife fought me a lot when I first transitioned out that you're not the chief anymore. You need to get that chip off your shoulder and you need to just adjust fire and deal with what's coming at you. It was tough <laughs> coming from 23 years in the service and being a chief in the Navy, which I, and I think you were Army, if I recall. But, you know, being a chief in the Navy kind of held, it holds a certain distinction in a naval career. So I did kind of have a chip on my shoulder. I'm not going to lie. And I, and it, it was portrayed that way as I would talk to people. And that's just not, not the way you want to be. Right. You're always going to be in transition. I feel that I'm always learning something new every day. And if, you know what? If you want to progress into leadership and be a true leader, leaders learn. That's what they do. Leaders read, leaders learn. You're always going to be learning. You're always going to be reading. You're always going to be learning new tools, new tricks of the trade. And that's what makes life great, right? I mean, if we ever got to a point in life where we're at a plateau where we're not learning anything new, it'd be a pretty boring life. So be open to civilians. Understand that a lot of times they just want to know about us. They want to hear our story. So don't be afraid to talk about it and let them know who you are as a person outside of the uniform. You know, you have to be open-minded and willing to just reach out to others. A lot of times they're not gonna to come to you. And unfortunately or unfortunately, depends on how you look at it, but a lot of civilians will be standoffish when they hear you're a veteran for whatever reason. So you need to be the one to go to them and outreach your hand to them and talk to them. Enjoy your family. You know, we don't have to deploy anymore. <laughs> and even in travel, in the sense of travel, Let's talk about travel. So when you're looking at job interviews and they say, hey, it's going to require 30%, 40%, 50% travel. Travel out here in the civilian world, this is something that I learned and I kind of chuckled at. Travel out in the outside in the civilian world, all that means is you have to leave your main office and go somewhere. So when you think of travel, don't think that, oh, it's 50% travel. You're traveling coast to coast and overseas. Yes, there are positions that do that, but there are other positions that are just regional and maybe you cover a 150, 200 mile radius of geographics. Like for me as a facilities manager, we usually have a portfolio. We have more than one building and they're usually scattered around a, a geographical region. Mm -hmm. You have to drive to those locations. A lot of times they're within a couple hour drive, but that's considered travel. So it's important to remember that when you look at that, ask the interviewers, what is this travel? How far? What's the geographical reach of this position? How many states am I covering? Or is it just within this one city? And get that clarification, because there's a big difference between, you know, for me, I'm out in the western suburbs, and then I have to travel into the city of Chicago, which is 40 miles in. That's a big difference between that or, hey, once a quarter, you have to go out to California. Right. So just be right. mindful of that. And just enjoy the time with the family. I can't stress that enough. I mean, I, I missed out on a lot with my oldest son, but my daughter was born right at the time I retired. So I've been able to actually be with my daughter since birth, never leaving her side. And I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm going to get emotional, but <laughs> I just look at my relationship with her and, and I, what I missed with my other two sons. And it is what it is. I chose what I chose to do, but it's so important to put that family first now, right? You don't have to put your service first anymore. And then um, lastly, I have written quite a few articles on LinkedIn. So I would just say if anybody wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn, they can preview, uh, review my profile on LinkedIn and take a look at the many articles I've done. Some of them are specific to facilities management and others are just general information, different things about myself and my own personal career.
Yeah, I love it all. And, you know, again, thank you for being on the show. And to our listeners, you know, hop over the LinkedIn and, you know, just follow Randy's work. He has amazing articles that will help with transition, that will help with personal branding, and also some articles that will just help you with some of the tough conversations you're going to have to have as you transition. And now you're working with new teams. And I think one of your articles that really resonates with me is, you know, the officer or enlisted article. And I recommend that to all listeners to just help you understand some of the tough conversations you will probably find yourself having and how to have those conversations with grace. So Randy, again, thank you for all you share and thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Thank you so much, Bernard. This has been awesome. And I I just hope you continue to have these podcasts and keep reaching out to the various veterans, you know, from different industries and different areas. I know the the last veteran you did was foreign service officer, which actually hit home with me since I did that five-year special programs tour with Department of State. So I kind of know what a foreign service officer, what they have to deal with. So very cool clientele that you've had so far on your podcast. So, and here I am, I'm just a, I wouldn't say I'm just, let me take that back. I'm a facility manager out here in, in Chicago, did not go into federal work at all, which is kind of funny. Most Veterans who do over 20 years, that's usually what they do is they just go into federal work or federal contracting. I jumped completely into private sector. Talk about, you know, putting myself out there. So it's not been easy. (laughs) It's not been easy, that's for sure. But I wish you all the best on these podcasts. I hope they continue to grow. All right. Thanks again, Randy. And you enjoy the rest of your day. And again, you know, to anyone listening, take it from Randy retired, but still he knew who he was. He did the work to find his personal brand and he's continued to change the lives of veterans by being on podcasts like this one and leading in the facilities management space. So thanks again, Randy. Thank you, Bernard. Have a great week. You too.